what a privilege it is to be part of a community like this. Um, just this morning, how the Holy Spirit has just been speaking so many things, like so many calls to life, so many, um, there's just been on so many levels the Holy Spirit's been working in people's hearts and us as a community. And, you know, I've been part of many churches in my life, and, um, but I can confidently say that I've never been part of a community like this. There is just so much going on here. It is such a beautiful picture of what the Lord is doing, but I'm so much more excited about what he is going to do. You know, I love uh, these Sunday mornings at the pear tree, catching up with people that I don't normally see in our home church, but also in the home church. It is such a privilege just to see how the Lord is, how there's people fighting for testimony, to give testimonies. It's like the Lord is just doing so much that... um, Sorry, I've got a bit of a runny nose. <laughs> the Lord is doing so much on so many levels and different people. And, and you can just see, I, I honestly can say that I've seen more people's lives transformed in this community than I have in the other churches that I've been part of. And it is so exciting to be part of something that is advancing, something that's going forward. It's not a, a, a ritual that we come to on Sunday. We can tick the box. We've been to church, maybe prayer meeting that's really pushing it, but we're going there as well. But actually, the Lord is, is, is gripping our hearts and he's pulling us forward. He's pulling us into more and more. And you know, the bride is this beautiful thing. And maybe we haven't seen the best of the bride, but we are going to see and we are moving into that beautiful space where this bride is this object almost of, um, uh, uh, of jealousy that, that people would almost be jealous to see. But look what the Lord is doing through his people. Look what they've got. There must be something going on there. I loved your, uh, your word, um, Gina, such a good word. Um, I almost feel like I don't need to preach. I think a lot of the things that I wanted to say have already been said. Um, so if that's you, if you don't need to be encouraged, there's great coffee outside. Um, <laughs> so I really feel like um, I want to bring a really encouraging word this morning. I'm trusting it's an encouraging word, and, um, but it is so easy to bring an encouraging word when you're part of a community like this. When you're part of a kingdom that is ever increasing, ever expanding, the Bible says that the, that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And we have not seen that yet. I mean, maybe when we, le- when we look at the newspapers, maybe it doesn't seem like the glory of the Lord, but the glory of the Lord is coming and it is, it is grain, it's gaining ground and it's gaining ground. And the thing of encouragement for us is that we know the one that has made the promises and that he is faithful and true and that he watches over every single thing to see every single seed germinate, every single word come into fulfillment, every single promise that he's given you, those are our promises. And we stand on those promises as we partner with the Holy Spirit and labor with the Holy Spirit to see these things come about. And so I really feel like this morning is a call is a call to arise. We've had so many words since the beginning of the, word, of the year. Um, the Isaiah 60 and 61 scriptures arise, shine for your light has come and plates are shifting. And I feel like this morning, um, just in line with what Gina brought, I feel like it is a preparing to possess. If I look at so many lives around, around here, I see people that have been sitting on these things and sitting on these things. Elaine, listening to your testimony this morning is so encouraging because for a long time, I mean years, Elaine has been struggling, Elaine has been pushing, but she's had this thing in her heart. She's had this, this belief that the Lord is going to be doing something through this. And along the way, you know, it's almost like, 
you know, Daniel, when he first sat out, there were a whole lot of guys that were, yes, we're with you. And then the Lord says, no, 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 it's still too many. No, go do this. And then finally there's 300. And I think sometimes on our journeys that we, that we depart, you know, there's a lot of people, yeah, 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 you can do this. But slowly along the way, there's less and less people that are with you. But ultimately, we are the custodians of the, of the dreams and the purposes that God has given us. And we are the one that holds those things. Because every single, um, every single calling here is unique. My calling is not your calling. It is so encouraging to see, um, Elaine, what, you, what, what the Lord is doing through you. But I see the same thing in so many other people's lives here where we have held out and we've held out. And sometimes, you know, it hasn't made sense why we're here. But the Lord is working all the while and the Lord is building all the while. So um, I want to start off with a, with a scripture. Um, these are my reading glasses, so I can't keep them up because I don't know who you are. So, <laughs> um, so when, you f- when you first become, when you first decide to follow Jesus, you know, I think one of the first scriptures in your handbook is this Romans 8.28 scripture. And I think many of us can quote this by rote. And the, the scripture says that, all things work out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. And that is the, that is the, um, the New King James translation. I got saved into a church where we believed that, that Jesus spoke Elizabethan English and, <laughs> and that um, all these other new modern translations, although they were not necessarily totally from the devil, they were bringing error. I've subsequently repented and I, and I have have come to embrace a lot of these translations, and one of them I want to quote is uh, from, the, from, the, from the Amplified, and it says, And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for the good of those that love him and those that are called according to his purposes. A couple of things in this. I just felt like this morning there was the Holy Spirit was just weaving a thread of certainty it is going to happen. Whatever it is, it is going to happen. There is an element of certainty because the Lord knows what he's doing. And it says here that he's working towards a plan. It's not some random event that we are going through. It's not some, you know, we find ourselves here because I took a wrong turn or I did this or whatever. Actually, the Lord is weaving everything together in this beautiful plan to bring you into full flower, to bring us as a community into full flower and to bring his bride into full flower. And I think it's such a wonderful invitation for us to partner with Holy Spirit, to journey with Holy Spirit, where we wrestle with what we know he is going to do and what he has said and the certainty that we can have this great confidence regardless of where we find ourselves, that we wrestle with the Holy Spirit, to be in step with the Holy Spirit to hear what he says at the right time and the right, at the right moment to bring these things in. And so I believe that we are on the verge of something significant. In our, in our home churches and on Sunday mornings and the testimonies that we've heard, we've seen a measure of the manifestation of what God is going to do, but I don't think we have scratched the surface. We haven't seen, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg. I really feel like there is so much, and it's not just for this, for this body, I think it is, there's a groundswell where things, there's a critical mass coming and things are going to break out. And we're going to see this. <sighs> we're going to see our inheritance. We're going to see the miracles. We're going to see people saved. We're going to see the church burst into life that it's never had before. We're going to see what we have always dreamed of. 
I haven't got this in my notes, but there was, there's that scripture um, where it's, uh, it's by the rivers of Babylon, that old Bab- uh, Boney M song, you know. We were like those who dreamed. We were like those who dreamed. And I want to encourage you that this morning there's a call to dream. There's a call to see, to start seeing what he's got. To start leaving those things that slow us down and those things that, that might enslave and ensnare and wrong thinkings that's not aligned. is a call to leave that behind and to start taking our place. Let me say this. Um, so if I look at this community, I feel like there are some on the banks of the Jordan getting ready to cross through. There are some in the Jordan and there are some already on the other side walking through on, um, and that's just, from what I can see, just by listening to testimonies and what people have been wrestling with and how suddenly Elaine's business is booming. I mean, and um, uh, even, even Rob's business is like, oh, we don't have enough capacity, you know? And that's such a wonderful pro- problem to have where suddenly these things are going. And if the Lord had told us beforehand, we would not have believed it because that is the nature of God's goodness. It is so much more than we could ever have believed. And so I I believe that we are now moving into our promised land, into the mandate and into the calling and into the inheritance of what we have always longed for, whatever God has placed upon your heart. But let me say this, that I don't believe the promised land is always everything that we believe it to be because I don't think the Lord, I don't think what is paramount to him is our comfort and our affluence. You know, sometimes we see the the brochure and the brochure is sun, sun, surf and sea, you know. And maybe that's not exactly what what he's got for us. But what he has got for us is so much more than that. So much more. I mean, that is, that, those pictures are maybe nice on one level, but he's talking about us being satisfied with the, with the richness of marrow bones, like something so rich, something so heavy, that it is like, oh, I, it cannot get better. It cannot get better. And that is what he is calling us to. So, um, no, don't worry, don't worry, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so the enemy obviously doesn't want us to move into everything that he has for us, and he's got a number of tricks that he wants to, um, he wants to bring about in order to just get us offbeat or get us misaligned. And... You'll come with little postcards. And the interesting thing is, after Elijah had the massive victory at Carmel where the 400 prophets of Baal were, were, were slain and fire came from heaven. I mean, he called down fire from heaven. I mean, how, how incredibly wonderful do you think you are at that moment that God sends fire to show his... I mean, that is like, that's the biggest badge I can ever imagine. But... Jezebel doesn't like this, obviously, because those are her prophets, you know. And so instead of sending guards to release her, because the momentum is definitely with the Lord and with Elijah, she sends a messenger with a little note. And that little note says, I'm going to kill you. And immediately, everything that happened before just dissolves. And he has a spirit of fear. And he throws away his confidence and he runs away, he, he flees. And I think this is often how the, how the enemy works with us. He'll come with a little note and he'll say to you, you're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You're not committed enough. You haven't prayed enough. Or he'll come with unforgiveness. Or he'll come with, remember that time that you did this. 
can the Lord really work through you because of that? And so he comes with a whole lot of things. And you know, in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly that we can have a plan to pull these things down. But they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, taking into captivity every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so for me, one of the things that we need to prepare ourselves for in order for us to possess the land is to have a look. Where are there any strongholds? Are there any of these things where the devil has just been throwing another little note? Yes, I told you. Yes, I told you. I told you. You're not this. But actually, instead of those, so there's a beautiful comparison. I think if we look at Old Testament Israel, if you read the books of Kings and the books of Chronicles, there's a procession of kings that come through Israel. And often what would happen, the chapter announcing this particular king would say that this guy, Ahab, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he would say, because he didn't remove the high places. The high places in Israel were, were um, almost uh, places of worship set in opposition to the true and living God. They were places that were set there that would honor foreign gods, foreign deities, and invariably these things became a bit of a, um, a, hams, a, a, a shackle, I suppose, to the people of Israel because it would distract them from their true calling and their purpose. But then conversely, what would also happen is as soon as a good king would tell, he said he did good in the sight of the Lord because he pulled those things down and he built, he restored the places of worship. And it's such a beautiful picture of almost our lives, I suppose, where, where we can allow a stronghold to come in and the enemy to come and sell us his liar's truth. And so this thing becomes something that we have to walk around when considering the truth of the Lord. But really what the Lord wants us to do is he wants us to come, as it says, take into captivity every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and almost bring those places into the perspective and the truth of what we are, what Jesus has done, what he has brought us into. So that instead of there being a high place, there can now be an altar, much like um, this, the God of breakthrough, Baal Perez, uh, Perizim or whatever that word was, um, where where now the people, when they walk to that place, they remember that's what the Lord did there. Um, Bethel is one of those places. The Lord did something amazing there. And even in our lives, you know, as we carry our testimonies, it's important for us to remember that's what the Lord did there. Because those things draw us closer to God and they bring us into alignment. They remove the, the, the um, dysfunctional thought patterns that, are, that set themselves up in opposition to the truth of what he's calling us into. So two weeks ago, um, and I can't get away from the scripture, two weeks ago I woke up in the morning and I was singing a song that I probably sang, the last time I sang was probably 30 years ago. It's a long time, I know. but um, And it was a song, it's a, it's a very basic song, and it says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Sorry. It says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Higher and higher and he will lift you up. And there's a second verse to the song which has got no bearing on what I'm going to say, but I'm on a roll, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
You are the vine and we are the branches and we will bear much fruit. It's such a wonderful dance, isn't it? That he does what he does and we are fruitful. We just need to be connected. We just need to be there. But So that morning I got up singing, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And I wanted to go and reference the scripture. And as I opened up my Bible app, my reading for the day is 1 Peter 5 verse 6, which is humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And forgive me, I've shared this in, in the home group, um, but I just can't get away from this, this particular verse. And uh, I'd like to read it uh, in... Uh, yeah. So in the King James, it says, Therefore, hum- humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Set aside righteous, self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor at the appropriate time, casting all your cares and all your anxieties and all your worries and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. I think there's so many wonderful parallels between this particular scripture and that Romans 8.28 scripture. Because there's a sense of certainty. It's coming. He will. He will. He will. Not maybe. He will. He will bring about the promises. He will restore. He will do everything that he has promised you. Not maybe. He definitely will. And in the last part there, he says, I love this because he says, he cares about you with deepest affection and watches you over you very carefully. I remember watching the movie The Shack and the one thing that I love the most about it is that everybody was God's favorite. Everybody here, you are God's favorite. Every single one because he cares for you deeply and affectionately. So just having a look at that word humble, it is the Greek, Greek word tapenu. And it means to make yourself low. I suppose almost like the picture. We sang a song here again. There are so many references that I just picked up this morning in worship. And that the king comes in. Make way for the king. I suppose it's a bit like the picture in Revelation where the 12 elders bow down before the king of kings and the lord of lords. And they throw their most valuable possessions before him. And they make themselves low Because they are standing before the author of salvation, the one that has weaved everything together so beautifully and brought it back together again, restored a lost creation back to its original beauty and splendor. And I think think there are so many different aspects to who God is. There are so many different facets. Yes, he's a loving father. But he's also this mighty God, this all-consuming fire. And I think... To forget one of these things is almost to do ourselves a disservice because this is the God that we serve. He's such an incredible, incredible God. But that word, tapenu, I don't think is, um, is really what I want to bring through this morning. In the, in, the, in the Hebrew, there is the word that is very often used for humble is the word anava. And the word anava is the word that basically means take your God-given place now. Not too high, not too low. But take the place that God has given you. Almost like what is your, what has God called you to? Take that place. Not what Rob is called to, uh, what Rob is called to, or what Jenny is called to. 
but take your place, not more or not less. Jesus gives this example of, um, of the banqueting table, and he says, when you go and you sit, don't sit in the place of prominence, because if somebody more prominent or important comes, then you have to be almost humiliated by having to be moved, shifted down, you know? And I think that's the one part of it, but I think on the other side, there's also don't take the place too low. Because you see, the thing is, the Lord calls us as sons and daughters, not as slaves. We're not those that are in the corner and in the shadows. We are those that we know God. We know what he has called us to, and we take that position. And this is part of taking possession of our land. I love um, studying uh, war strategy and um, obviously the Russia-Ukrainian war, which is obviously devastating. I mean, some of those cities look like the moon. And But... It's interesting to sort of see how this whole thing has played out. And in one of the versions, it says, um, when it, when it, when it, I think it's the, the message that says, when you, um, instead of humbling yourself, it says, be content. And it says, lose your airs. And I think the Russians, to be honest, I think the Russians had these airs about themselves that they're going to walk into Ukraine and take over the whole country in three weeks, and to be honest, in the first two weeks, they had probably, I don't know, 50, 40% of the country, but they've been humiliated because they've had to retreat, because they've had to take, and now they've, they've pretty much got 20%, and I think it's such a beautiful picture of that thing where Jesus says, take the right seat, don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you, but also don't think of yourself more, more, um, more lowly than you should, and um, the scripture that, that uh, So actually in the message it says this, so be content with who you are and don't put on ears. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. And there's an element of timing here because he says he'll promote you at the right time. He will. He will make it come through at the right time. But just, you know, the thing is by being content, is I'm not looking at what the Lord's doing there. I, I mean, I'm taking note of it, but it's not like, well, why are you doing that for him and not for me? You know, why, you know this, is not, this is not part of the brochure. This is not what it should be. But, the, but being content means my eyes are on, my eyes are open. I'm, I'm looking, I'm present, I'm alert. Lord, what are you telling me now? Because I'm not looking over there, I'm not looking over there. I am focused on what you are doing here. Because literally all that I have control over is me. I don't have control over any externals. I know that God is faithful. I know God is good. I know God will do everything that he says. But I just need to keep my eyes open. Because I've, I've used this example a lot, a lot, but the cross paid for everything that we need. The cross, is, the cross is paid for the rivers. So if I keep my eyes open, I will see the river in that meeting, in that situation. I'll see that river because that river is there because he's faithful. But if I allow myself to be dissuaded, I allow myself to, I'm not good enough. The Lord has forgotten. The Lord's away. You know, this kingdom, there's no debt crisis in heaven. There's no lack. There is impetus. There is power. Being part of this meeting this morning, we taste and we see the kingdom. We see it here. It's almost like we are transformed to that place. And this is the place Holy Spirit wants us to live from, is this well, overflowing well, not what we see. And this is how we do partner and transform.
So uh, just an example of this anava is to be found in Proverbs 15.33, and it says, before honor comes humility. And it's almost like as we walk into the promised land, we need this anava, where I am taking possession of that which I know God has given me. And I'm not going to take no if the enemy comes or somebody says, I'm confident that this is mine and I'm taking this. And this is almost like the thing that I believe the Lord is wanting to stir in us, is that we have that doggedness. We're going to take what the Lord has said. We are taking it. I don't care. We are taking it. A good example is um, in Psalm 16 verse 8, uh, David, David says, I put the Lord always before me and therefore I will not be shaken. If we live with the Lord in front of us, always before us, if we look at the world through the Lord, through the lenses of the Lord, through the lenses of the kingdom, we will not be shaken. We will not, be over, we will not overestimate ourselves, but we will also not underestimate ourselves. Um, recently, just an, an aside, recently I was reading a business blog and they were talking about humility and Phil mentioned, um, I don't have the name of the book, but I can give it to you afterwards, Phil mentioned the stat where they, they, they took a data set of a number of very ordinary companies. These companies didn't have massive growth or nothing. They were just ticking along, ticking along, ticking along. And then all of a sudden, they had explosive growth, which which was two times eight, 2.8 times the growth of the data set of the other companies in there. And they went and they had a look at those companies, and those companies were led by humble, dedicated leaders. Say again? Um, Phil. Over to you, Phil. Um, But I think there's something in that, because, you know, humility, true humility, means that I can empathize because... I'm aware of my strengths and my weaknesses. I know where my borders are. I know where I can safely control, I can safely maintain. You see, it's easy to invade a country as the Russians have found, but it's not easy to, to, to subdue it. It's not easy to keep it. And so what the Lord is wanting for us to do, I believe this morning, is to hear so that when we take the land, we can subdue it. We can take it under control because we are humble. We know where our strengths lie, where our weaknesses lie. We know what he has said, what he has said, and we know what he has not said. And so as a result, we can empathize. We can say sorry. We, can, we are teachable. We learn because I am not this superhero, you know. He is in me. He makes me a superhero. But on my own, I'm just Jacques, you know. And so this is, this is the journey that we're on. And it's important that we understand these things. And even in a secular context, humble, dedicated leaders, suddenly massive growth. And isn't that the kingdom? It takes a long time for something to happen suddenly. But when it happens, boy, does it happen. So just getting back to um, the 1 Peter scripture. So I just wanted to read uh, in verse 10, Peter, Peter obviously um, So Peter obviously writes, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And then he says in verse 10, he says, and he's writing to believers that are suffering massive um, oppression from the Roman rulers. And he says, so be content with who you are. I love that word content. Just be happy. We can always be happy. We can always have victory wherever we are, whatever, in a prison cell. Peter has victory. He's content and the doors fly open. 
We can always have that. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit in us, is that wherever we go, we are never alone. He's Emmanuel. He's here. And those wells are always available for us to drink from. So he says, um, But may the God of grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, he will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And this is our calling. So getting back to Peter. So who is this Peter that's now giving these massive encouraging words to these these, um, oppressed people or suffering people? Well, Peter used to be a striver. Peter used to be the guy that always wanted to have control. You know, when the when the, the high priest and his servants came to arrest Jesus, he's the first guy to pull his knife, cut the guy's ear off, and said, okay, who's next? He's that control guy. We can also see that um, in, in Peter's thinking, suffering wasn't really a part of his theology, and I'm not trying to preach a, a theology of suffering. I'm not trying to do that. But when Jesus says to Peter that I need to go to Jerusalem and suffer many hands, Many, many things at the hands of the, of the Jews in Jerusalem. Peter gets up and says, no, 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 that can't be like that. This doesn't fit in with my picture. Sorry. And Jesus has to rebuke him quite severely, actually. Then Jesus is arrested. And the, the, the disciples all flock and they, uh, they, they spread out and they hide and they, they flee. And he's sitting next to a fire and Somebody asks him and says to him, but aren't you one of them as well? No, no, no. And, and Peter denies Jesus three times. And why does he deny Jesus three times? Because he doesn't want to suffer. He doesn't want to go through what Jesus is going through. Yet on the day of Pentecost, this is the guy that stands up. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what people think. And he preaches the true gospel. This is the guy that writes this particular verse to suffering Christians all over the world. And he says, after you've suffered for a little while, he is going to perfect you, strengthen you, and settle you. And isn't such a beautiful picture of how a stronghold, a wrong thinking, something that is not in, that's it's inconsistent with the rhythms of God, has just suddenly been turned to a massive strength. That now suddenly, this guy that hated suffering and tried to stop everybody from, and wanted to take control, is now happy to say, there's an element of certainty, the Lord is going to do it. Just be patient. Allow the Lord to do what the Lord wants to do, because he is going to perfect you. He is. And I think this is the challenge for every single one of us is that there's, no, there's nothing that can ever disqualify us. There's nothing that can ever remove us from what he wants to do. The only thing is us. And so I think the challenge is for us to prepare in moving into this promised land, prepare to possess, is let us have a look. Is there unforgiveness? Is, are there strongholds where the enemy continually comes and just adds another little note and just says, no, 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 but that's who you are. You know, we've got things like sozos, we've got, um, but, you know, Jesus came that we could live free. And to the extent that we live free is to the extent that we are able to bring the kingdom to the earth, into our marriages, into our families, into our offices, into whatever it is. And I really, I'm really convinced that the Lord is about to break out in our, in our midst in a way that we have never seen before and the way that we have always dreamt of. And it'll even be bigger than that. Shani had a dream, uh, not a dream, in the last prayer meeting, she had a picture of, of a relay race. And you know, in a relay race, you have to trust because you start running before the other guy's there. 
And you just have to put your hand and keep it still and hope that that baton is passed into my hand. Because if he doesn't, I run over the line and we're disqualified. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of what the Lord is doing now. The Lord is getting ready to hand, but we need to do our part, and that is to trust. Start running, guys. Start running. It's coming. Put out your hand. The baton is coming. And the Lord is going to do something amazing. Just to end off, I just feel like it's so important for us to recognize the testimonies that we have had in this. Because the enemy, you know, during the week we are bombarded with so many high places, oh, the South Africa, this and this and this and this. But you know, if I look at Phil, say for instance, like Phil, you're busy, you're busy with a mountain of a thing. It's an elephant of a thing, but the Lord has given you such an incredible wife. You know, you know, Bronnie, Bronnie has, Bronnie, and, and you as well, I know, but Bronnie had to walk. <laughs> so there's a, it's Father's Day after all, I can add you in there, but you know, Bronnie stared down cancer. There was a time when it looked like she would never have any children. But yet in the midst of that, the Lord has taken that thing that potentially could have been such a big stronghold and made it such a big testimony to his goodness. There are so many testimonies. I mean, you just have to come to any one of the two home churches and you will just hear life oozing out of God, just doing, God doing, God doing, God doing. This is a momentum thing. There is more coming. There is more coming. And I want to encourage you to arise. I want to encourage you to take the position that God wants because we are sons and daughters. We are on the front foot. We're not slaves waiting for a handout. We are sons. We know God and we are going to do great exploits. Amen. Amen.